This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday. That means it's time for our Zoomer squad. As always, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, We now have two cases of the new coronavirus. And along with that, there is a lot of worry, a lot of misinformation. We will be setting all of that straight. Also, it's the last day to give Ottawa your take on how to amend the law on medical assistance in dying. And unfortunately, another case of elder abuse in a Canadian nursing home. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744-740. Now I'd like to welcome Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine, and David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media. Hello and Hi. welcome. Hi Libby. Hi, Libby. Well, the original reports, uh, they were saying that the coronavirus uh, was most dangerous for older people, and uh, it was almost a dismissive thing. It's it's only people who are older and have other health issues. That's not necessarily the case. Some younger people in China died. What did you make of that original reporting? Well, my take, obviously, as a layman, like all of us watching the news media, it was very confusing. I, obviously, China has an interest in uh, not let's say, magnifying the problem. So you don't know whether the information coming out of there is accurate. How many cases are there? Is there adequate screening in place? Uh, So far, it seems that the authorities are on top of it here, but we don't really know. I remember the SARS uh, outbreak, and it took a couple days before people figured out you know which which end was up really whether whether how serious it was how widespread it is so i think we have to be very watchful and uh, hope that they know what they're doing and are we you know heeding lessons from the sars outbreak from ebola from h1n1 you know what i've heard from the minister so far is you know comments around trying to reassure ontarians that uh, our health system is equipped, but is it? You know, do we have all the necessary protocols in place? Are they doing mandatory screening at hospitals? Are they? Do they have? Um, you know, screening in our hospitals and our care facilities, and our workers prepared to deal with what could be a, a very serious threat? Well, they they say they do. I know there there was a bit of an issue, Peter, where the paramedics said that they weren't told in advance about that this was possibly a case of this virus. And we just learned from the medical officer of health that there are no protocols in place for paramedics. And that in that first case, the paramedics were were wearing protective gear anyway. You know, I find it interesting. I've talked to quite a number of infectious disease specialists since this first came up and one of the things they keep saying is is that the the risk here is still quite low yeah. and people seem to forget that 3500 people die every year from the regular flu That's that right. we get every year where you have to convince people to go and get their flu shots right um you know uh, ontario's chief medical officer said the risk remains low 
Um, Canada's public health officer said we should not be overly concerned. Um, the World Health Organization still hasn't declared an emergency, even even in China. So I, I, I think um, there's a lot of misleading reports. There's a lot of anxiety out there. But it seems like the officials in this case are not uh, playing it up. It's such a good point. Um, there's a lot of hysteria around yes. the coronavirus, as there was with SARS, as there was with... We need to remember that the flu is so far is more deadly um, uh, and 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 people often mistake the flu for your for a common cold and it isn't so I think that that's an important point but but I think what they should do in that case is we need a clear statement you know what is it how do you know if you're vulnerable what should you be looking for what should you be doing if you see these signs and I haven't seen such a statement well, it's reassuring is- but I don't even know what what I'm dealing with yeah Frankly. Yeah, but the the signs and the symptoms are very similar to yeah. the flu. And it's interesting, with the case of the man who was um, was in China, he is in the hospital, but his wife, who was in self-quarantine when she was diagnosed, has a milder case. She's not in the hospital. And they are trying to contact the people who were beside them on the plane. I guess the two-meter radius is, is the radius where it's a problem. So they're trying to get in touch with those the seatmates, people. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but not even everyone on the plane. Just just the people in, in the the immediate vicinity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you see, that's new to me. That I've read a lot of story, but I didn't hear this two meter thing yeah. till now. If I had like a a, oh. a cheat sheet that said, "Look, here's the five things you must know." Go forth now, <laughs> armed with this information. It's rapidly evolving, right? So yeah, I mean, I guess they, first is. they thought it was a three day incubation period. Now it's they think it's a ten day. So. Yeah. That's going to create more cases that that they didn't predict didn't down know, the road. Yeah. Well, if it's a ten day yeah. incubation, that's why the screening at the airport isn't necessarily very effective. Right. Also, the wearing of masks. The jury is out on whether that does any good at all. Yeah, uh, that's true. So uh, you see people wearing those ones where you you know those sanding masks, you know the construction masks. I mean that that's not going to stop. Well, I remember anything, with SARS know? though. I don't know if you remember a little bit. The city was like yeah. filled with yeah. people everywhere you went. Everybody was wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows whether it was just a feel good thing? Okay, so uh, let us move right along. Uh, today is the last day. Today at midnight for that questionnaire on the government's website about what people think they should do to loosen some of the restrictions on medical aid in dying. Of course, they've been ordered to do that by the Quebec Superior Court. What has the response from CARP members been? So CARP members are overwhelmingly in support of MAID, um, but they do feel as though the last remaining piece of legalization concerns assist, uh, you know, advanced directive. So, you know, CARP National has certainly uh, participated in the questionnaire, and we've consulted that way. We've shared it with many of our members, and we've heard from them that they've also participated in the questionnaire. It's fairly short. It should take you only, you know, three to five minutes. Um, and we've certainly had a lot of people say that, they, that they've engaged that way. David? Well, I think it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what the total result is, but I think that there's the public wants some sort of a balancing act between not making it legally cumbersome, not making it onerous to the point where 
in the guise of safety, you're really getting rid of it. But on the other hand, there are situations where you need some, uh, you know, scrutiny or some uh, ability to make sure it's not being abused. And it's threading that needle. The devil will be in the details of what regulations emerge from that input. And it's not just uh, expanding the criteria of who qualifies. It's also looking at some of the restrictions, which many of our members have said are felt as though they are unnecessary. So, for example, um, the 10-day wait period. Uh, there's a period of 10 days between, you know, you making the decision to, to uh, you know, receive assisted dying and, and actually being able to obtain it. Some people feel as though it's inhumane to, to force someone who's an enormous amount of pain and who's made this decision to wait that long. Um, we've also heard from other people who have said, you know, the psychological assessment, is it really all that necessary when doctors are trained to do that? So those are some of the things that I think the government will be considering in this process. Yeah, there was also talk about expanding it for people who have incurable mental illness, and I believe that Quebec has already decided to allow that, but I'm not sure that that is going to go anywhere here. Peter, do you have a sense of that? Well, again, I, I think I said last time we, we talked about this, the, the cases are so individualized, you know, each case is so uh, particular to that person, and I'm not sure how they're going to make one general law to apply to every single individualized case, and, and I, I just... It seems to me like they're going to have to keep just to have blanket, you know, it's good, go for it, or, you know, keep the law as it is. But to to sort of build a law around something so individualized, it, it just seems like an impossibility. Hmm. I don't know. We have to have a law on it. Well, what you wind up trying to do is just prevent abuses of it, of mm -hmm. somebody who does not really want this but is manipulated or pressured into it. I think that's the limit of what the law can do. Uh, if you have a consenting adult who has not been unfairly maneuvered into this, that's the protection that you can maybe achieve. But that's about it. And mm -hmm. one of the restrictions, if you will, is um, making sure that a doctor and the patient have exhausted all other options. Um, and so when it comes to someone with a mental illness, I don't know that they specify necessarily what that, what that means, but let's consider... Uh, you know, someone who's uh, has uh, you know an anxiety disorder or something like that. I mean, would would they necessarily qualify? I can't imagine they would, particularly if that restriction still exists. My, my sense is that that is not necessarily Depression, going to be. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, that's not necessarily going to uh, be be opened up. In this particular right. go right. around, it's mostly to do with advanced directives and and with the waiting period. And um, before we wrap things up, I talked to the Justice Minister less than two weeks ago, and basically his sense is that since we've had some experience with this, that public opinion has really moved on it. Would, would you agree? That it's different than when yes, we first... Yes, than, than when we first had it, yes. I guess I would know once we see the results <laughs> of this... So I think I think I think he's right in the, or they're they're right in the sense of um, it's happened, and we now have a body of evidence as to how well it's working, how many people are uh, taking advantage of it. So I think in that sense, I would expect public opinion to have moved. Well, and it's like anything when you legalize something that's unknown, and now you've legalized it, you work to start to reduce that stigma around it. So I think we've certainly seen that. And Peter. 
And and we shouldn't forget, I, I, I was doing a story on this recently, and I spoke to someone from the Palliative Care Association, and she said um, everyone is focusing so much on made that they're they're sort of uh palliative care is just falling by the wayside and and she thought it's being lost in 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 the shuffle and it's a very important service that people aren't getting uh, yeah uh, an unintended consequence yeah. yeah well i'm i'm not maybe. i'm not so <laughs> sure about that but maybe because intended. there there is there's a, a stigma with palliative care and there has been a focus on it and it's a relatively new area mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's something for people to remember. But with these terrible diseases, it does get to a point. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Okay, uh, that's all the time we have for the Zoomer Squad. Thank you so much, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. Thanks, Libby. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.